0: Today, our text will be James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. So submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Come close to God with a contrite heart, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double minded people. Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and your reckless joy to gloom. Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you purpose. May the Lord bless the reading of his Word. Now, we began with a brief overview of of what the context is and what the Spirit of God is addressing in the Hebrew Christians. And James is telling these believers what they must do. He's telling them what they must do to return to walking in the Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something as we read this. These are commands. Commands. They are aortus imperative. They are not equivocation. They're not think about it. They're not meditate on it. They're not, you know, consider it. They are commands. You are in a bad place. You're in a hard place. You have been embraced by the world and you have returned the embrace and it has cost you the corruption of your souls. I am commanding you This is what you do, and you do it now. Don't let another moment go by. This is how James is handling this. This is how the Spirit of God is handling this. Again, their commands are not suggestions. And he calls for a repentant response immediately. They're not for you to sit and think about. These commands are the seed of the word of the Spirit to those who desire to walk in the fullness of truth. Unfortunately... Many will hear the word, but the worries and distractions of the world and the deceitfulness and the superficial pleasures and delight of riches will choke the word, and it will yield no fruit in their living. That's in Matthew chapter 13. And he's talking in that, Jesus is speaking in that parable concerning their salvation. I am speaking concerning, James is speaking concerning, the Spirit of God is speaking concerning the salvation of your soul. Mind, will, and emotion. That's what he's talking about. So, submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Now, James begins with the command, submit. That's the Greek word, hupotasso. And it means to subject yourself, to arrange under, to subordinate And it was a military command to order the troops under the command of of a leader. And it means more than just a passively waiting for an order to move. It is a call to move, to literally bring yourself in alignment with the will of that commander. It is a surrender of absolute obedience. That's what we talked about at the very beginning. Father... I have all kinds of ideas about my life. I have all kinds of expectations and dreams. I have all kinds of plans that are stored in my soul. I have disappointments. I have bitterness. I have anger. I have selfishness. I have things I want for myself as a Christian. I have things I want for myself as a father. I have things that I want for myself as a pastor. I have all kinds of things in that soul. But Lord, I yield that baggage. I submit my soul unto you and I say father thy will be done thy will be done there's not a single dream there's not a single ambition there is not a single hope that I want to hold to that does not include you at the very center and your will to guide me in thy will be done I don't have to ask him to arrange my life. I arrange my soul under him. And so many of us, we get before him in prayer. You know, Lord, I could be a better Christian. I could be more devoted if I weren't distracted with this. If I didn't have this in my life. Listen, you have no idea what it means to be a better Christian. Have you figured that out? You don't. I don't. Because you're living to the potential that God created you for. That's it. You don't know what that is. You don't know how long it'll last. Why don't you surrender yourself to it and let God bring you along? And you know what he is bringing you along? The big problem is your perception. Submit yourself. It it means more than just Passively waiting for him to speak to you. It's a surrender of absolute obedience. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. He writes, For as a believer, you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you may follow in his footsteps. Arrange your life under him. It's Hupatasso again. Our example in submission is Jesus, who taught us to pray. And what did he teach us to pray in Luke 22, 42? Not my will, but thy will be done. This is a command to submit that you may move into alignment for obedience. This obedience is a work of the Spirit of God. It's calling you to align your soul, to receive and participate in the will of God. And do you see that? The aligning of the soul. I cannot get my mind, will, and emotion in line, but I can yield them. And I can make sure that my mind, will, and emotion is constantly bathed in truth. You know, you don't eat garbage and expect to have good health, do you? I don't expose myself to things that I know are going to co-op and corrupt my vision of God. And you know what will do that more than anything? The mirror. I'm not talking about vanity. I'm talking about identity according to the flesh. That's what I'm talking about. Our example is Jesus who humbled himself, submitted himself to the will of God, to the work of God, to the, to the communication of God's desire for him through the Spirit of God. He abided with the Spirit of God. He walked with the Spirit of God. Here's the thing, he came out of the triune collective. He came down here and literally humbled himself and that means separated himself to a degree in his humanity from the triune position. And now he walks by abdicating his will and everything about himself to the Spirit of God. He connects through the Spirit of God to the Father. And he says, I don't do anything except that God leads me to do it. I don't say anything unless God puts the words in my mouth. I don't speak of myself. I speak as I am spoken to. That's Jesus operating in the exact role that he left in heaven in the triune capacity of being in union with the Father's will. This command to submit that you may move alignment for obedience. And obedience is a work of the Spirit. It's a calling to align your soul to receive and participate in the will of God. First Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy, and he will do it. Fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you. This is not a one-time exercise. It is a discipline to submit your soul at every prompting, at every temptation, in every challenge. It is a ready recognition that your life is not your own to navigate as you think best. As I have mentioned before, we get all caught up in the daily of living life in these bodies. That is living according to the flesh. And guess what? The lost do the exact same thing. Their routines are not much different. The difference is they are slaves to their appetites and perceptions. We are to live as yielded vessels made unto honor, used as sacred vessels before the altar of the Lord. Every moment is to be an exercise of worship. We don't have the luxury of just drifting along in the current of this world. We're actually called to swim against the tide. We are to submit ourselves to the authority of God. We are to yield to his wisdom. See obedience as an opportunity to know his perfect love towards us. And this requires a supernatural strength. The strength, the spiritual strength that empowers us for submission and obedience. It's you stepping out and and yielding all that you are. And the Spirit of God absolutely empowering you to go forward in all that God has planned you to go through. And, And this is the neat thing about it, guys. That when you are walking by the Spirit, the plan of God becomes animated, alive, real. Because you're no longer just... In the plan of God. You're participating in the plan of God. And you say. I don't know how that works. You do. You do know how that works. In every moment that you recognize him. And you go forward. In the moments of faith. Where you say. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. But you do. I'm yielded to you. I'm going forward. And this is where we come into truth. This is where we participate in truth. Major Ian Thomas spoke of the promised power inherent in submission and surrender to God. And he wrote in the way he liked to do, in little turns of phrase, he wrote, When all that you are is available to all that God is, then all that God is is available to all that you are. Now, does that sound like him for those of you who know him? When all that you are is available to all that God is, then all that God is is available to all that you are. Another verse in Psalms 119, he says, I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands without doubting, disputing, or consulting with flesh and blood to offer Isaac. Abraham went forward to offer Isaac, and he got up early in the morning. To bring that offering. You think he wanted to do that? No. But he knew that he had to go forward in obedience. He got up early in the morning. To be obedient. To the call of the Lord. There's a second part of this verse. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him. And he will flee from you. Resist. Is the Greek word. anhistame, Enhistome sounds like an histamine but it's an histamine and it means to set oneself against to withstand to oppose it's like a dam withstanding the force of the water current against it but it's unmoved by that force it's to stand against an attacking force one writer put it this way before we can stand against satan we must bow before god If we have not submitted our soul to the will of God, if you have not yielded your will in obedience, if you're not walking by faith, you're not resisting. (laughs) You're not resisting the enemy. You're yielding. Now, it's interesting that James draws their attention to their need to resist the enemy in the context of no longer being friends with the world. The draw towards the world is the work of the enemy. It's not a passive thing. It is an attack. There is an active war against the soul of the believer. We cannot idly live the Christian life. Paul tells the uh, Ephesians three times to stand fast. Three times. Stand fast. Ephesians 6 verses 11 to 14. He says... Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against it's coming against you all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Does it sound like a half baked plan? No, it's calculated. But you know what he factors in every calculation towards you? You know what his number one hope is? This stuff the flesh. Because in the flesh, he can have hold, he can tempt, he can move, he can draw you out in the flesh. But the flesh that is given unto God, submitted as an instrument unto righteousness, the body that is yielded unto the work of the Spirit, that walks by the Spirit, he can get no traction there. If all I want in life, if my goal in life is to know him, what can the enemy give me? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. They've got a government. And it's organized. It's not organized because they don't think they have any hope of converting or moving or, or, or getting hold. And guess what? The fight is not against the lost. The fight is not against the world. Satan is not fighting that. Satan already has that. He is the prince. What he's fighting is Christendom. The work of Christ in this world. And believers. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God. So that you will be able to successfully resist. There's that word again and stand your ground in the evil day of danger, and having done everything that the crisis demands, to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm, hold your ground, having tightened the band of Truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart, stand your ground. Now, carnality, the appetite for worldly comfort, compromise, spiritual lethargy, all these things will prosper in the ground that we surrender to the enemy. You're either standing and resisting or you're retreating. There's no middle ground. So if you've adopted a quasi-Christian lifestyle, and I don't suspect that of you, but this is what he's saying to the, to the believers. He's saying, if, if you have adopted this carnal lifestyle, this quasi-Christian lifestyle, don't think that you're making any headway against the enemy. He is moving you. And every step backward is surrendered to new depths of carnality. There's a seed there being planted. All of those things are seeds. The ground that you retreated from. First we submit. Now look at the order. First we submit and humble ourselves before the Lord. Determining to know his will and to walk in obedience. Then when we have done that. We resist the enemy by standing in truth and not compromising with the world. You cannot not compromise with the world if if you have not humbled yourself before the Lord. If your soul has not become an extension of your heart, which is the way it was designed. Verse 8. Come close to God with a contrite heart. And he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. Now, your translation may read, draw near. It is the Greek word, ingizo, And it means to bring near, to join, now, I like this, to join one thing to another, to come close To join one thing or to another to come close. To make your soul attach itself to who you are in the spirit. To join one thing to another. That is drawing near. Setting your mind on truth. Balancing your emotion in truth. Putting the will of God before your will. Yielding. These things are drawing near to God. Now, I interpret this as a need for the soul, the mind, will, and emotions to draw near to the Lord. There is no separation in the new creation from God. But in the mind and and emotions, we can distance ourselves and distract ourselves from his presence. Can't we? Can't we? I have. It doesn't take a whole lot. It's just a distraction comes up, and then the enemy builds upon it. And before I know, I have dominoed myself into to carnality in the way I view life, the way I view the circumstance and the situation. Now, that is done in the soul. You didn't just lose your salvation, right? And it can happen at any moment. But if there is, a, if there is any hope... To be able to walk consistently in truth. It is to discipline yourself in faith. To recognize that the soul needs the balance of the spirit. It needs the presence of the Lord. This is why we are told to rejoice always. To give thanks always. Always, to pray without ceasing, to go and, and study His Word, to assemble yourselves together. These things are not just, you know, casual suggestions. If you happen to have the time, and you feel like you want to do it. Because after all, you're a Christian, you don't need... You need these things. You desperately need these things. This is why we're told to renew our minds. To prevent our souls from being conformed to this world. That's in Romans 12. The soul is an instrument that will be played when we draw near with our minds, will, and emotion. It is transformed. It becomes a place of worship. Paul also wrote in Romans 8 verses 5 and 6. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, his will and purpose... Now the mind of the flesh is death both now and forever because it pursues sin. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace. And the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. Look what he calls it. Walking with God. Living with him. Walking with him. So you look at this. There's two dynamics here. You have the flesh that clings to the without and feeds the soul the corruption of the world and the enemy and the lies and feeds its appetites in the world and you can choose that but it will be death to you it's not it might be death to you It will be death to you. I'm not talking about necessarily a physical death. I'm talking about you being dead in the sense that you will not know the presence of the Lord. You will not be sensitive to his work in your life. You will just heap upon yourself corruption after corruption. And it will eventually punish you. And it may destroy your life here on this planet along with a lot of other people. That's what may happen. So, what are we to do? We are to submit our minds, our souls to him. You see, we choose to set our minds in one way or the other. Those who set their minds on the things of God are literally drawing near. They are perceiving and recognizing their God more deeply and intimately. Through the Spirit's revelation, they recognize the presence and the nearness of their God. And James continues in verse 8 with, Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded. Now, I want you to remember that the audience he's writing to is primarily Jewish, so that they would immediately recognize James' reference to ceremonial cleansing. We are not to approach God with our souls cluttered with fleshy attitudes, worldly pursuits, rebellious determination. There should be a sincere repentance that gives us a clear and undistracted communion.
1: Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.